Hey, what's up, y'all? This is Jared Albritton, and welcome to the Big Tech Energy Podcast. So I've been in the tech space for 17 plus years, and every day I would look around the room and say, I wish there were more black people in this room. I wish more black people knew about tech, and I wish more black people saw incredible success in tech the way myself and my colleagues have been able to have. So over the last couple of years, we've been doing spaces, and we've helped over 200 people break into tech. And now with this podcast, I'm going to be highlighting some of my favorite startup founders, high-paid tech employees employees, recruiters, career coaches, and hiring managers on what steps should you take to be successful, but what is the mindset that has made them incredibly impactful. So take your notes, stay tuned, and soak up this big tech energy. So today we got an amazing guest. We got Mo Hampton in the building. Uh, she is a software engineer, an amazing black woman in tech, and I'm not going to go ahead and steal her sauce. I'm going to let her introduce herself, and then we're going to get into it. So Mo, thank you for being on the show. <laughs> no problem. I'm so excited this morning to do this. So um, my name is Mo Hampton, as you know. I am an Army vet that did a pivot like five years ago, six years ago now, into software engineering. And I love everything tech. I love to do like a little bit of search and AI, a little bit of NFTs, Web3. I'm, I'm dabbling in right now. And then also my main goal is always giving back because I did a pivot so late in life. Now I enjoy doing things like um, Black Girls Code and give back to community or even um, cyber jujitsu. So, you know, people who look like me, little girls that grew up like me, they can, you know, have success, have success moving forward. So it's all about building like that tech pipeline back to my community. Absolutely. And that's where me and you connected back during the pandemic yeah. on that app called Clubhouse back when it was popping because uh, everybody was stuck at home. Uh, me and Mo would be on stages just dropping gems to people that look like us that wanted to get into tech. Exactly. And the goal really is like resources and access, mm -hmm. which both of us are blessed to have. And we keep on giving back and pulling people in. But then also, um, you know, education as well. So let's talk about Black Girls Code. Mm -hmm. um, you know, tell me about that organization and, you know, what what kind of things were you doing and, you know, what kind of, uh, you know, I guess advice would you have for young black girls that are interested in coding? Great. Yeah. So I started with Black Girls Code probably in about 2018-19 time frame. And that's prior to COVID, of course. And it was more face-to-face. Uh, -face. And I live in North Carolina. So I would go to what we call the RTP, which is the Riley um, Triangle uh area and it's a very big tech hub so we were able to get sponsors like fidelity or ibm to be able to house us so we can have young girls come in at that time we only focused on girls who were of color and sometimes you know latinas would come in too and that's you know so they would come in from ages 7 to 14, and we would just introduce them to STEM concepts so they could be, um, you know, well-versed in it. Like me, I'm an engineer, I'm a software engineer. I would show them coding and how to do Python. And somebody else would come in and show them bots and how to do Internet of Things. And they really would... Um, it wouldn't give them all the steps they needed, but it would be enough to inspire, and if they were curious, to go forward and feel comfortable doing that. No, that's amazing. That's amazing. And when it comes to just coding in general, people are so like intimidated and the thought of doing it is overwhelming. How were you able to pivot into coding and what advice do you have for people in terms of the steps or the areas that they can get into when it comes to it? So first, it's just about curiosity. If you're a naturally curious person and then you like to look at how things are structured and kind of deconstruct them, and be able to like put them back together, that's like a natural thing for you. Like if you just naturally want to go out there and research things. It, it's, I, that's, I put that out there first because I think it's very personality and you know, skill set based. 
So if you don't have a real interest in it, it's going to be a struggle. Maybe it's going to be a struggle. Yeah. You're not going to be interested unless you like have a, like a passion. I know people don't like to use a cliche like I'm passionate about my job. I'm passionate about what I do. But if you don't look at it as like some type of hobby then it's going to be hard for you to really engage into coding. So I knew that I liked coding. I did it like, I'm going to tell my age a little bit, but we, you know, you don't have to you look good. That. You I'm look good. My, but MySpace. If, if you're listening on uh, Spotify <laughs> and Apple, she looks good. You got to see her on YouTube. Aww, go ahead. He's so sweet. He's yeah. so sweet. No, but I first started doing things like web pages. I thought I was doing something cute. And then I went into like uh, MySpace. And at the time, you know, MySpace was you can throw any type of code on there. Not gonna lie, mine had glitter coming down it. It had music on the back. Yeah. I had like you know just a little. Anybody else had a top eight? I had a top sixteen because I put a snippet, a cold snippet in there. Oh, look and at that you! That was just <laughs> that was just me being me. Yeah. And I didn't realize at the time I would lose hours, but I, the time just flew because mm-hmm. I enjoyed coding. I enjoy it's a creativity process. So, but I put that in the back because my training is I come from military. I'm an army vet, so it's easy for me to. Somebody give me a job, and I'm going to do it, and do it well. So I just was military intelligence. I was that for about 15, 17 years. So that's what I knew. I started at 17. I just kind of took those um, concepts of analytical skills and just ran with it and did so well where I I eventually in my um, career ended up at the Pentagon. Oh, nice. Yeah, so when I left the Pentagon and I was working at special operations, and I I was pretty high up on the scale, but I didn't feel like, Satisfied. It, I didn't feel like I was doing a job that made me happy at night. Like, I can go home and rest. Or every morning I woke up and I was like, yes, I can't wait to get there. I was getting the money, but it, I wasn't passionate about it. So I, I sat down with myself one day and I said, what would make me happy? Like, feel like I'm really doing something out in the world. And I just remember that coding was something that just it just felt made me feel complete when I did it. Like, I was like, oh, wow. It's kind of like um, construction. Like, they say construction workers are the ones who are most satisfied in their jobs. It's because you actually can go and think of something, build it, and it's tangible. You can actually see it, like, from ground to up. Like, you can think of a house, and you can have a mansion and actually use it. So that's how I felt with coding. I felt like it's something that was tangible to me. Like, I could build things, and I can actually play with it, and then give it to somebody else and see them being satisfied with my product. So I decided at that time, I'm just going to go out on a whim, go to a boot camp, and I ended up attending UNC Chapel Hill, which is a great option for me. I don't know if that's for everybody because you can learn how to code on your own for free. But for me, I needed a little bit of structure, a little bit of guidance, like every day, like a check-in, like an accountability piece because I was doing it at night and on weekends, and I was working. So if something had to push me doing my downtime, I probably wasn't going to do it because if I had free time to just chill and Netflix – I probably would have done that instead. So it gave me a little bit of accountability. I went to the coding boot camp for about six months. And then after that, I told myself, if I really love what I'm doing, I'm going to quit my job. I'm just going to go software engineering. And that's what I did. After six months, I had a nice portfolio. I felt confident in what I was doing. And I just was like, let's get it. Okay. So to recap for the audience, um, one, you had a passion for it. Mm-hmm. You had a desire to build. You did research. You were curious. So that's a major key. Don't just code just for the money. Code because you're curious. Code because you're excited to produce, you know, um, you know, different sites, is it, or different products, applications, applications mm-hmm. et cetera. So you got to be excited about that. If you would do it for free, then it's a good job for you to do. Yeah. If you wouldn't, then... 
maybe you do it for the money, but it won't be as uh, fulfilling and your interviews won't be as hot and, you know, your actual day-to-day won't be as exciting. Yeah, and burnout is real. If you don't like what you're doing, you're going to burn out real fast. And once you burn out, it's hard to get from that dark space. You know what I mean? No, absolutely. Um, and so when it came to you got the boot camp, you got the portfolio. Talk to people about the importance of a portfolio. Oh, the portfolio. So for me, it was GitHub. GitHub is a very pop- public repository. It's where it's like a centralized location for your code. So I would make sure that my code was very public. And I would make sure I would do challenges like 100 days of code. So there was like a, it's like accountability. There's a green light on each one. I would go in every day, make sure that I was at least doing some type of algorithm, or I was going in and doing some UI UX, which is the front end, like the visual part of the code. But at least showing that I was capable of doing it. It may have not been. Honestly, if I look back at my code now that I did in 2017. I would cry. I would cry. I would laugh a little bit. And then I would try to, like, remove my name from it. It's ridiculous. But that didn't count. What really mattered was that I was able to get the concepts. I was able to understand the structure and take the language and make it do what it needed to do. Yeah. And you got your repetitions in. Yeah. Because the repetitions. They matter. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the 10,000 hour rule. Uh, Once you hit your 10,000 hours, you can do it in your sleep. You're probably doing that with military intelligence. (laughs) Then you're like, I'm bored with that. And now you're getting your 10,000 hours in with coding. So yeah, shout out to that. Okay, cool. So portfolio, uh, just get started. Put it out there and start creating a brand. And once you have a brand, do you like gain followers on GitHub? And that's where like recruiters start reaching out. Like, how does that work? So um, I want to go back to what you're saying about the portfolio. Yes, please. Yeah, you have to build that portfolio. Make sure it's a little bit public. Um, Don't be scared to show it on your LinkedIn. Who cares if your current employer is looking at it too? They might actually look at it and say, hey, I didn't know you could code. So instead of you being administrative, I'm going to push you over to the tech side. So that might be, you may not even have to leave your company. You might be able to be useful if you like where you're at to stay in that company and and move forward with it. But... um, yeah, uh, what was the last question you asked me? Go back, run that back. Um, how do recruiters find you? Or what was the process of finding your first job? So for me, I don't know if it's still the same to this day for Twitter. Twitter was phenomenal for me. And I started that in like, 2017, 2018. And I would use the, the trending uh, topics or hashtags. Yeah. And I would follow them, and then I would support and just comment back and say, oh, by the way, can you look at this project? Or or if I was stuck on something, a lot of us software engineers, we like to go and Google and just look at Stack Overflow. But you can also throw it out on, on Twitter and put a hashtag. Say that you're having an issue with um, Microsoft Azure, like you're doing DevOps and you have an issue in the cloud. Yeah. Just tag, like put a hashtag, uh, Azure. Hashtag DevOps and put your question like what your issue and what issue like trouble that you're encountering at that moment. And what will happen is a lot of um, other SMEs or subject matter experts that are in that field of Microsoft or Azure, they would see that and they would reach out to you and then they would answer it because people are always when they learn something new or they have expertise in something, they would be very willing to give you that information for free. Little you know nuggets of knowledge, you know the gems that you call. Yeah. Yeah. So then they would look at you like that, and then you would start that conversation and be, and then ask them, "Hey, can I just like follow you on LinkedIn? Could we stay connected?" And that kind of grew me that way. But then also, I would use I leverage at the time Instagram, 
And I think there's a lot of tech influencers now, but then there weren't many. Right. So at that time, I would put up the code snippets, make it look cool, you know, show that somebody that looks like us is doing coding. So that was something I wanted to show. And that would get a lot of people back and forth from um, recruiters, but not only just recruiters, but other um, colleagues, I guess, friends who wanted to break into tech, asking me how did I do it. Awesome. Yeah. So one like it's a common theme in big tech energy from all the guests I have is like building a personal brand around your passions in tech, being a black person in tech, um, inspiring others through your, you know, um, you know, your um, example. Right. And then through that, you can build out networks that turn into referrals, into roles, et cetera. Um, So definitely shout out to that. And shout out to Black Tech Twitter. So if you are on Twitter, use the hashtag Black Tech Twitter, Mm -hmm. and you're going to find a ton of black people in tech dropping a lot of resources, you know, free certifications, apprenticeships, job roles, uh, and then uh, 100 Days of Code. Uh That's a great hashtag. So shout out to that. I don't know if you know Danny Thompson. Mm-hmm. I do. Uh, yeah, I do. yeah. He he went from frying chicken to being a software engineer. He used to work at, and I don't mean to say like in a bad way, yeah. way, but he used to work as a fast food worker, and then he's starting to inspire more people to make that switch, that pivot. Yeah, so he's got I think around like two hundred and eighty thousand followers on Twitter. He's definitely dropping a lot of resources, doing a lot of Twitter Spaces. Uh, I'm about to get back on Twitter Spaces. I was yeah. I was on there for like three months. Uh, you got to look at um, Paris Athena. So she's the one who started Black Tech. Uh, Pipeline. Yeah. 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 But no, but, but uh, she started a hashtag, Black Tech Twitter. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely hers. she threw it out there and said, hey, what does a Black Tech Twitter look like? And then all of a sudden, it was just thousands and thousands and thousands of people responding and saying, this is what I look like and this is what I do. And yeah. Yeah. Shout out to Paris Athena. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of amazing, especially black women in tech that are like really helping out with the resources, especially it. on Twitter. So yeah. uh, definitely shout out to Paris Athena. Uh, she's super dope. And uh, Black Tech Pipeline is another place that has a lot of jobs built, yep. that she built. So shout out to that resource. Um, and I'm going to throw it in the caption of this podcast. Yeah. Some of the top black tech Twitter, you know, influence that people should follow. Um, besides me, of course. So that's one part. So once you start doing that virtual, even though we love to be remote and love to stay behind our computers, we got to step out. It's, it's good to have that human interaction. So I know you um, drive it a lot. You talk about it. There's those black um, conferences that would get you into rooms that you never thought that you'd get into. Of course, there is Afrotech. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Afrotech. Yeah, there's Bitcoin. Yep. That's a big one. Blacks and Technology Conference. Yes. Yeah. And then also this year, I'm finally going to attend um, Render ATL. Render ATL, huge yeah. for software engineers. Um, yeah, shout out to the Render ATL team. Because what I love about them is that they're going to give you a lot of information, a lot of resources, but you're going to be able to network with a lot of black software engineers mm-hmm. in a very laid-back environment where you can be your authentic self. You don't have to code switch. You don't have to no. feel, like, up really stuck, stuffy and professional. Um, and, yeah, you can Millie Rock and, <laughs> you know. <laughs> if you like to network and have hookah. Go to render. Yeah, <laughs> Millie Rock, have you hookah. There's, there's hookah everywhere. Party, you know what I'm saying? Dance. Um, yeah, you can wear your J's if you're a dude, wear your hair wherever you want as yeah. a woman. Like, shout out to Render and shout out to all the black tech conferences. You just feel comfortable. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, shout out to Black Women Talk Tech. That's oh, yeah, a cool that's a conference. Uh, black Men Talk Tech. Uh, mm-hmm. They just had that in Miami. Um, shout out to them. Um, and, you know, also, they might not necessarily be black tech conferences, but a lot of black tech folks pull up. Uh, definitely check out South by Southwest, uh, the first, like, half 
of the conference? Yeah, it's linking with the companies, like the major main companies now, with the ERGs, their employee resource groups. They're always going to go to these big tech conferences. And when you get there, just find the ERG groups where they're having like the little social gatherings, and you'll be plugged in. Absolutely. And then also our Basel. Uh, don't sleep on our Basel in terms really? of the... Yeah, yeah. How been? How was it? It's fire. Um, yeah? Very, very fun. Besides all the partying and all that good stuff, <laughs> uh, they have a thing called Tech Basel now. And it's a bunch of like tech and Web3 events. Honestly, that's the NFT guy. Like uh, Meta guy. had a thing yeah. called Meta House. Um, if you go to my Instagram, uh, Dr. J, D-O-C-T-A-J, if you go to my Art Basel recap, I basically give snippets of like, I don't know, 10, 15 parties. And although there were like parties, there were so many professionals there that are doing dope stuff, especially in the yeah. Web3 space, NFT, crypto, but um, also in the tech space as well. And um, yeah. A little mover and shakers in the, in the tech space. That's good. Yeah. Like the... Best and quickest way to get a job in tech is through referrals. Yeah. So your strategy of hashtagging, your strategies of going to these conferences, like I really want people to take that away. Like networking and building relationships, mm -hmm. that gives you the ability to do like informational interviews. Exactly. So somebody, you know, smoking hookah with you at Render ATL and you're all talking about regular life stuff. They can, you know, pivot naturally to say, hey, I would love to learn more about your experience with the government doing software engineering. And all that guidance is going to give you some gems so that you can be uh, more prepared when it comes to the interviews. And more comfortable. You just feel comfortable because you had a one-on-one -on -one interaction with this person. So now when you go to where they are, you feel like you understand the culture because you understand them. Yeah. You know? Exactly, exactly. Uh, so shout out to that for sure. So when it came to your resume and your LinkedIn, did the boot camp help you put that together? I don't want to say this, but the boot camp was trash for that part. Ouch. All right. <laughs> I mean, no, honestly, no, but they it, give you these um, templates that, you know, just very basic templates that won't really get you anywhere. You have to really research where you want to go, look at the job position, and tailor it. I know people don't want to do that, and it feels like I have to do this every time, but it really is beneficial if you do it that way, if you just tailor it every single time. No, nah, yeah, that little bit of extra effort, and that's going to be a key theme in this podcast as well. Mm -hmm. A lot of black tech influencers brag about how little they work, which you what? yeah, <laughs> and like is on that because they got like that Chat GPT going on. Or? Nah, this is poor before Chat GPT. I feel like it's more Cap GPT in the sense that they're capping about how much money they make without doing any work in tech, uh -huh. but really they're making a ton of money off like affiliate marketing and Ugh. impressions and things like that. Yeah. And it's guiding people to like say, okay, I can come to tech and just not have to work. But at the end of the it's day, you have to have work have ethic. Work. Now, once you start bringing a lot of value to an organization and you get systems in place, because uh, there's a lot of people that create like systems to automate a lot of their processes, yeah. et cetera, then yeah, in those cases, you can work like 20, 30 hours a week, but it's because you're getting 60 to 70 hours of work done using processes and systems. Yeah. Or if you're like in sales like I was, once you build up a pipeline of relationships and organizations that you knew were going to buy on a regular basis, it was less pressure to have to call every day and, you know, kind of grind it out. But it took grinding first to get there. Same with engineering. But your key that you said there is that you built a foundation. So yeah. You put in the hard work, the grit, to at least get the ground solid, and then you can build off of that. So I'm telling you to make a brand, to go out there, to socialize with people, to show your face and talk to them. But if you're doing all that and you don't have the actual substance, 
the actual portfolio, something tangible, something for them to test out and check and share with others. The efforts before are just pointless. Yeah, you got to have value. Uh, it's like when opportunities meets value and preparation. Yeah, that's luck, right? Yeah, that's luck. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and so like, but nobody gets lucky in tech. It's because they put in the preparation and they have the value to bring. When the outside in, looking in, it looks like it's lucky. Like You're right. It's a lot of preparation. Right, but a lot of preparation and, you know, a lot of studying, et cetera. So, um don't expect these boot camps to give you the resumes or the LinkedIn. You're going to have to figure it out in different ways. One resource that I just want to shout out is Black in HR. They have an elite membership where they nice. do your resume, your LinkedIn. It's 9,000 black HR professionals. HR is one of the most important you know, people you can know at an organization because they know the recruiters. They know the hiring managers. The, they're the gatekeepers. They're the gatekeepers. Uh, to have 9,000 black gatekeepers that are opening up the gates, it's pretty dope. So I just wanted to shout that out. into. Uh, membership in Black and HR means community and being a part of a culture of like-minded individuals. Um, you have a culture within a culture, especially in the Black community, and Black and HR is that professional culture. We have fun, we laugh and joke about things that are related to us in the workplace, but we also have serious aspects as well where we help each other grow. Um, and it's just one of those places where I can go to any time of the day, pose a question, and I'm gonna get all type of answers, but I'm gonna get support. Um, and we all work together to give advice, to give insight, um, to share tips. Um, the networking is amazing. The people that I've spoken to have allowed me to learn things about myself that I didn't know. Um, so what does that do? When I go to my next interview, I have that confidence uh, when I walk in to be able to explain and, and speak on what I've done in the past and, and prove that I am the person for the job. I just wanted to shout that out in terms of resumes and LinkedIn. Definitely check out Black in HR um, on, you know, Google, social media, uh, yeah, et cetera. Um, so I wanted to shout them out. But what was your Black in HR? Like, how were you able to figure out how to take your experience from the uh, military and cater that to the resume? Was it just you just figured it out on your own? It's just me, research. I'm a, you know, solution, problem, solving person. That's right. Just- natural to me um but what i would say is also the experience if you have work experience before you pivot it's easier if you don't have work experience i would say don't go the non-traditional way actually go to the college and get your uh science degree that'd probably be best so you get your um, engineering degree that'd probably be the best way so you learn how to look at things in a certain way and put them back together or go to boot camps that are accredited or that have uh, job placement uh, services included in the boot camp. Yeah, there's, there's a few that do that, but you also hear stories. So my overall message with boot camps is it's there to help, like, inspire you and to give you the taste of tech. And structure. Give you the, taste, yeah, the structure and the taste of software engineering. But you will have to do a lot of work after the boot camp. It's not, I did a boot camp and now I'm certified and I'm just going to do the job. No, it, it's just the beginning. Right. It's just the beginning. So you at least need to put in two or three years after that of solid learning, algorithms, data structures, like really get into the gritty of it to understand and to really be a, a knowledgeable and somebody who's hireable as a software engineer. Yeah, no, that's 100%. And um, did you, like, first job in tech, did it have to do with, like, uh, something re- like 
kind of similar to the military or something where your military background helped? So that's what, yeah, it did do that. So I use uh, my background, uh, at least my networking. And within um, special operations, we started a, a tech team that would go into SharePoint, which is a Microsoft product that helps uh, all of the employees. It's kind of like a CRM or I'm trying to think what's the uh, acronym for CRM. Customer Relationship Management System? Yeah, like Salesforce. I think people are more understand Salesforce. But right. it's, it's similar to that, but it will hold, like, pages for each section and the um, the business. And then also it would give a database where we could pull information. You can query anything that you need from your company. So uh, Special Operations was started in a tech group, and it was uh, a contracting group, and I knew who the hiring manager was. And I told him, like, with my – I asked him for a coffee. I said, can we have a coffee real quick? I can tell you what I'm trying to do and maybe that would align with your mission set and what you're trying to do with the tech team. And we talked about it, and I told him, you know, I would understand the customer and what they're really asking for, but I will also do research and figure it out how to make it, you know, inside of SharePoint, how to make it tech, how to develop a, a system that would track where people are at within an organization. That's really what they wanted was to track mission sets and to track um, where people are going in futures. And I had that conversation with him for about 20, 30 minutes, and he's like, okay, let's do it. Let's set up an interview. And then after that, I did more research on what they were looking for and how my skills could fit in there. It wasn't I was looking for my dream job and then changing myself to fit into that. I looked what was for comfortable for me at that time and then convinced them, like, I may not be the best now, but I would be the hardest worker. I would be the person I would research and figure it out. And then once I get that, I will be the best and you'll regret it. Yeah. So hire me. Uh, man, shout out to that! <laughs> I, I got to applause that right there, and yeah. that's a that's a that's a big tech energy right there. Yeah, you gotta say yeah. it with your chest. Gotta say it with your chest. <laughs> you gotta mean it. Look them deep in their eyes and let them yeah, know, like I am I the realist. And if I'm not there yet, I will be yeah. if you invest in me. And um, yeah, nah, that seems similar to my uh, interview with IBM to get me into uh, the tech sales role I wasn't supposed to get into, but we'll save that <laughs> for another day. Um, no, that's dope. And one thing that. Very nuanced, like kind of a small detail, but it's important. You didn't just ask him to meet. You said, let me buy you a coffee. Yeah, I did. Yeah, like that's a major key. People like will meet with people and work with people that they like. And people like people that are considerate of their time and willing to just like give some sort of value. So that little small thing of let me buy you a coffee mm -hmm. doesn't seem like much, but it just shows like the type of person you are. Like I value your time. And I would like to, for the exchange of it, at least give you a coffee or yeah. buy you lunch. I'm not wasting it. Exactly. And you then get things done. You can multitask, get your coffee, get your energy up, and then talk to me really quickly. Yeah, because like a lot of people will just reach out and just be like, hey, I want to take your time. It's I want to take giving, your giving, information yeah. versus like, hey, you know, before I make this request, how can I add value to you? You know, is there anything that I can do? Exactly. Like, for example, with recruiters, um, whenever I would reach out to a recruiter about something that I need or a role or whatever the case is, I'd reach out to them first with something to give them. So I'd be like, hey, I know this woman in Mohampton. She's looking for a role. Uh, here's a resume and her LinkedIn. You guys should connect. Now the, he or she is like, oh, wow, I just got a resume. She's fire. This is one less person I got to find. They reach out to you. You're happy if you're in the market. Um, that gives you value. It adds value. You know what I mean? Like, you look at me like, damn, Jared added value to me. The recruiter's like, Jared added value to me as well. Now I can go ahead and say, by the way, um, my mentee is looking for a role. Can you put their resume in? 
You know what I'm saying? And it's not like me just asking for a favor, but it's I provide a value first and then I, you know, get the favor. Um, and it's a stack, you know? It's like we're building each other up as we go. Exactly. The more you give, the more that you get. And if you have that mentality in tech, you're going to win. If you also think about, like, what you said, you approached the situation with a problem and you gave a solution. Um, and so it's like, here's the problem, here's the solution that I created, and let's work. Yeah. Um, that's way more valuable than, can you help me? Yeah. And look, don't you break into tech. I know everybody's like, how do I break into tech? How do I do it? Don't you dare break into tech and not turn around and reach back to help others. Absolutely. You know, that's just the, the worst thing you can possibly do. So that's why I'm really big on building that tech pipeline, like going back and, and reaching down for others to be with me. Because you never know. Like, the kids that I'm inspiring today could be somebody that can help us or solve, like, a world solution tomorrow. Yeah, or they can be the CEO that hires our kids into their tech companies. Like, you just never know. Um, and your brand is really how people feel about you when you're not in the room. So if you can get a bunch of people that feel like Mo inspired me to get into tech and now they're at Google and Microsoft and it just all is like good karma that is spread around. But more importantly, I don't care if I get anything back. Like when we're doing those clubhouse rooms and I would have like 30, 40 recruiters on stage and black people were shooting their shot. Like I didn't want a dollar. I don't even care if they like follow me on Instagram. I mean, if you do, great. But it wasn't about that. It was just more seeing more of us in the room, you know, and just like making yeah. people feel empowered. Um, and supporting that community. Yeah, and that's why I have you on the show because I want Black women to say, you know what, I can code, but this is the mindset that I should have. In order to do it, this is what it looks like. You know, I got to have my portfolio. I need to be ready to network. I need to yes. be curious. I need to like to build things. I need to say it with my chest. But if I can do all those things, then why not me? And what you did also is you took your transferable skills and things that you're naturally good at and incorporated into the role versus trying to be something exactly. that you're not. So it needs to be a natural progression. So like she mentioned, look at the job descriptions and really internalize it. Would you really be excited to do that? Mm -hmm. um, could you work an extra, you know, three hours in a day doing it and not feel like depressed or angry <laughs> um, and then be excited about the outcome? Like yeah. be more focused on the outcome than just the job or the money. Mm -hmm. uh, because like you said, you make good money in military intelligence yeah. and it wasn't fulfilling. Nope. The same thing will happen in tech. So I don't want to like sell a dream like oh if you get a tech job you make a bunch of money you'll be happy no it's not true at all. if you get a tech job and you love the job you love the problem you solve you love the impact it has on the world um you love the way the company treats your employees and you feel like it's a family then it doesn't feel like work and you will like naturally make six so figures before I, you I know say, it. do what you love to do or do what you do great and the money will always follow absolutely you know? And, you know, this is kind of random, but what you have is so critical because if you wanted to, like, start a company, mm -hmm. you, you are the person that's hardest to find or the most important when it comes to, like, the executive suite. So I just want to just point that out, too. Like, okay. knowing how to code, because Ruben Harris was on the show from Career Karma, and he oh, ran it. Ruben. Yeah, yeah, Ruben's dope. And, um, you know, one of my friends, he's, you know, starting up a fintech. Uh, Wes Paul, actually, uh, Respect My Blueprint podcast. Shout out to him. Um, he's dope, 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 dope. Definitely check his podcast. But he's starting a fintech company that's going to crush, um, you know, Credit Karma. 
Um, and so he's talking about raising funds. And Ruben's first question was, are you technical? And if not, who's technical? It's just me. And he was like, I'm technical. He's like, perfect. Because if your executive team isn't technical, uh, no investors are going to invest in you mm -hmm. because you're going to need to give away the control and you'll be so dependent on the coding and the developers um, if they aren't part of the strategy and the vision yep. uh there's no chance so i just want to kind of throw that out there too like having coding is not just great in terms of having a career as an employee but if you do want to be in a startup and like create the next google or apple or whatever yeah it's extremely valuable to have that um skill set 100 percent, especially now with like ai and all that stuff that's happening now all right cool so the interview process let's talk about that now maybe at your first role it might have been different because you utilize your network and relationships but that wasn't you've had other jobs since right yeah, so that was i started as sharepoint developer and then i went to another it was a government contractor but that's the first time i was actually um titled as a software engineer where i had to actually go in and understand azure devops be able to go through the cloud situation and build custom code. I was no longer doing something that was out of the box and just giving a little you know, snippet of code. I was actually building a, a whole application. And that interview process was a little bit more intense. It's more, that's why I say knowing your data structures and your algorithms is vital to a software engineer. Uh, it doesn't matter what language you code in. It matters if you understand the structure and then you're able to tailor that language to do whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish at the end. So that interview process was more of, I actually had just a whiteboard, and they said, hey, this is what I want you to do. And I had to, from, like, just from my brain, go up on a whiteboard and write up everything in code. It was like holographics for people who don't, you know, really know how to read. And Got it. You code. had a whiteboard, but yeah. I just had to whiteboard it out and write it all out. And I was actually impressed by myself because I didn't know that I can do it. But because I had at least two or three years of um, coding already underneath my belt, I felt comfortable, and I just did it. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah, because, I mean, I'm not a software engineer, so I don't know the process, but I've heard the interview process can be really challenging. Yeah, so I went, I've done a couple of, because I've been a lead software engineer for um, Booz Allen, Hamilton, which is like a big uh, consulting group for yeah. government also. And then currently right now, I work as a software engineer for uh, the United States Department of Ag Agriculture, USDA. But for if you're going to a main, like one of those um, big tech companies like Apple, Meta, Google, it is intense. I'm even scared to go there. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure, you know, I can G up, I can do it. But it is very intense in a way that you're going at least four rounds. First round is like you're doing a online interview like where you're going into like a code puzzle and you have to go and log in and just put your code in and you, you send it out. If they like how you did your solution, they'll ask you for another round, second round, where you would actually talk to the team and they would see you code in person. And sometimes you get hired from just that second round where you're coding live coding with them. Then there might be a third or fourth round. Just It's just intense. Or a fifth or sixth or seventh. And yeah. then on the seventh, you don't get and it. And then something yeah. might happen where it's like, well, we're not going to uh, hire against that anymore. We just decided to go a different direction. And you just wasted about three or four months of your life trying to interview. And then lately with the tech layoffs, I'm not trying to be, you know, gloom right now. No, we're just keeping it real, though, yeah. you have to really stay sharp in your tech skills. Just be a little more agile. Be ready to just shift, uh, flexible. Just shift left and right if you need to. Yeah, if you're, um, you always got to be 
yeah, like you're saying, you always got to sharpen your skills and be ahead of the curve in terms of where technology is going. Because if you stay where you're at, the people that are putting in that work and learning different, um, yeah. you know, I guess you're approaches. Be like a dinosaur. That's yeah, the old stuff we're doing, but we're over here right now. Yeah, so. you got to be sharp for sure. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? I was going to ask about no. One thing I also want to emphasize is you know don't sleep on the fact she works for the USDA, meaning that you don't always have to work at tech companies. Oh no, there's exactly. tech jobs and government. Um, what, are they, what do you call it? government departments? Government. Yeah, government departments, government branches. Um, yeah. Right now, I'm in agriculture. Before, I was in DOD, which is Department of Defense. There's so many different hubs there, and the reason I'm at first, I was like, ah, but I can go and get that real big tech bag. I can go to Google. I can go do, you know, matter. But the thing about that is there's not a lot of security for longevity. Mm-hmm. And in government, you have that. You have that security in your job, and you get to grow in your job and build yourself up. And if, you, if you're not, you know, enjoying it after a while, you can leave that and go somewhere else. Yeah. No, the stability is key. You don't really hear about, like, 10,000 employee layoffs no. in the government. And, um, you know, unfortunately, when things are hot, those tech companies tend to overhire. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, a lot of the roles become redundant. Um, whereas the government space, I think they're a little bit more disciplined in how much they hire. Yeah, but you will take on more work because it's less tech people in government. Got it. Okay. Mm-hmm. So security, more work a little bit, et cetera. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, so I want to kind of just, like, finish it off with I probably have – about 50 more questions I could ask you. Um, but when it comes to software engineering or just being a black woman in tech, like what last words do you want to give give the people listening? My last words is build your community. Reach out to people that look like us and support us if you can, you know. And But don't also go out there just wanting Make sure that you have value to bring with everybody else. But as a black woman, you might sometimes feel as if you might be more discriminated and the journey might be a little bit more difficult, and that's understandable. And that's why the community is vital. You need that to be able to support you during those times where you need to push through because they might be able to give you some nuggets that just help you. Love that. Love that. Love to end with that. That's amazing. <laughs> That's that big tech energy right there. I know. Um, big tech energy. All right. So uh, please let people know like where they can find you, follow you, connect with you, et cetera. Well, I'm everywhere, um, but it's Moxie Hampton. That's M-O-X-I-E-H-A-M-P-T-O-N. On Instagram, I probably post the most there. Um, I have a little bit on TikTok. It's not that valuable there. But Twitter, also. Twitter, same uh, name? Same name. Okay, so... M-O-X-I-E Hampton on all platforms. Mm-hmm. And um, do you connect with people on LinkedIn or do you let of people follow I you? I do, yeah. Mo Hampton, same thing. Mo Hampton. Mm-hmm. All right, perfect, perfect. All right, cool. Well, Mo, Moxie, Monique, <laughs> thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks uh, for having me. Yeah, really this appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely want to have you back anytime you want to come back to Miami for a lot of that. We'll do a part two. There's a lot more I wanted to get into in terms of just the lifestyle you've been able to live. You do a lot of traveling. You know, you, you have a lot of fun. Tech and luxury. Tech and luxury. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so check out her Instagram. You'll see visually the tech and luxury that she's doing. And if you want to see what I'm up to in terms of the tech and, you know, 
know, a little luxury here and there. You know what I'm saying? A little I mean, bougie. we see you flexing. You know, life is short. You can follow me on Instagram, Dr. J, D-O-C-T-A-J. Check me out on Twitter. I still post a lot of resources. And I'm going to start doing more Twitter spaces once the podcast's released. So that's D-O-C-T-A-N-Y-C. Lived in NYC for 15 years, so that was my Twitter handle back then. I haven't changed it. LinkedIn, just, you know, put in my name, Jared Albritton. And then if you want a free ebook with a little bit of my journey, plus resume and LinkedIn guidance, you can go to jalbridden.com, put in your email, and you'll automatically get sent a free ebook. That's crazy that you're giving that for free. Yeah, I, like I said, giving that's back. crazy, but that's great. That's yeah, great. giving back. Gonna, yeah. They're dumb if they sleep on it. Yeah, yeah. Now that, I mean, it's free, <laughs> right? So check it out. And, you know, if you get one thing from it, then that's great. And then, uh, you know, share that website and the, you know, information of the people, uh, especially the kids. That's what we do it for. Yeah. We love the kids. Legacy. And the last thing I'll say is blackhire.com. That's something I'm partnered with where we're helping black freelancers find work. And so, uh, oh, yeah, blackhire.com, we're helping freelancers find work. And so if you want to post your profile and all the skills you do as a freelancer, my goal is to flood you with opportunities. If you are one of those opportunities, please post your roles on blackhire.com for free, the same you would on Upwork and Fiverr. And uh, we'd love to get you more black talent. Uh, so with that being said, I hear the buzzer ringing. I think it's time for me to go. But uh, yeah, yeah. But make sure to follow <laughs> on YouTube, subscribe, share, like, all that fun stuff, uh, and check us out on Apple, Spotify, and all the platforms. And uh, look forward to seeing you in person at some of these events or on this next show. So I'll see you later. Big Tech Energy. Say it with chest. <laughs> Uh, membership in Black and HR means community and being a part of a culture of like-minded individuals. Um, you have a culture within a culture, especially in the Black community, and Black and HR is that professional culture. We have fun, we laugh and joke about things that are related to us in the workplace, but we also have serious aspects as well where we help each other grow. Um, and it's just one of those places where I can go to any time of the day, pose a question, and I'm gonna get all type of answers, but I'm gonna get support. Um, and we all work together to give advice, to give insight, um, to share tips. Um, the networking is amazing. The people that I've spoken to have allowed me to learn things about myself that I didn't know. Um, so what does that do? When I go to my next interview, I have that confidence uh, when I walk in to be able to explain and, and speak on what I've done in the past and, and prove that I am the person for the job.